Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our text for our meditation this morning is recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in his second letter, in his uh, second chapter of his letter to the Ephesians. We read, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word of the Lord. In the name of our risen Savior, my fellow believers. There was a building built that took seven years to build. It took over 153,600 laborers working on different parts of that building. It took more than $155.5 billion to finish the building. Pretty big numbers. This building is none other than Solomon's Temple of the Old Testament. This temple that King David envisioned and his son Solomon eventually built. Solomon poured more than 8 million pounds of gold into that building. And more than 73 million pounds of silver. You might think that the tallest building in the world today, the Burj Khalifa, which is in Dubai and raises about half a mile into the sky, maybe that building could come close to displaying the wealth and the riches of Solomon's temple. But that building only cost $1.5 billion to make, only percent of the cost of Solomon's temple. Truly through that building, God displayed his riches to the world, both to Israel and to the surrounding nations. And really no nation or building has displayed riches like that since. But our God has. And the Apostle Paul writes explicitly about this today. Paul writes to us and he says, God displays his riches in you by loving you to a new life in Christ, and by gifting you with grace. As the Apostle Paul sat in Rome when he was writing this letter, he wished he could be with the Ephesians. He longed to speak to them face to face, but but he couldn't. Because for Paul, the guard standing at his door 24-7 was a visual reminder that he was under house arrest. And for Paul, the chains that were shackled around his wrists were a physical indication he wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And for Paul, the mental reminder of the impending trial that he had to go on before the emperor was a reminder that he was truly in a dire situation. His life was on the line. And yet, while Paul was in that situation, he continued his Christian ministry full speed ahead. He made sure that his message got to the people of of Ephesus. 
And yet, for a good portion of this letter that we have, it broke Paul's heart to write it. Because the things that Paul had to put on the page sounded kind of funny to our ears. Paul wrote, As for you, you Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You followed the ways of the world. You gratified the cravings of your sinful nature. You were by nature objects of wrath. You might think to yourself, what are you doing, Paul? What's the point of putting this in a letter? Is this, are these words really worth being imprisoned for? It just seems like there'd be a sad message written to make people sad. But Paul knew that he had to include these words in his letter. He had to let the Ephesians know where they had been. That at one time they were a long way gone from where they should be. In 1991, rebel forces attacked a small little village in southwestern Sierra Leone. Not only did this attack, was this attack typical of the civil war that ravaged the country at that time, but this attack also marked a change in a young boy's life. Ishmael Bea was 11 years old at the time. And he had grown up in that town, and he had a normal life. He went to school, he had friends, and he got into trouble. But after the attack, his family was scattered. He was lost and alone. He was in danger. He was a long way gone from the life he had prior to that time. For two years, Ishmael wandered around, not staying in one place more than a week, trying to flee from those forces, And eventually he was picked up by the government army. And you might think that this is a good thing, but the army was just as bad as those rebel forces. They took Ishmael Bea and handed him a gun and said, you're a soldier now. Do what soldiers do. And so for the next three years of Ishmael's life, he became addicted to the violence that he saw, the violence he partook in, He got addicted to the drugs that the army handed him to keep him on this high, this adrenaline high, so he could do the terrible things that soldiers did. Ishmael Bea was a long way gone. He couldn't help himself at all. He could do nothing to get out of that situation. But the United Nations came in, and they saved boys like Ishmael Bea. They saved him. They rehabilitated him in society. The message that Paul had for his Christian brothers and sisters in Ephesus was that they had been a long way gone down the path of what the world was telling them. They had become so addicted at one time to the ways of their sinful nature that they had become objects of God's wrath. But for a good portion of Paul's letter, beginning with the text we have for today. It elated elated Paul to write what he got to write. He was happy to see the words that the Holy Spirit led him to write and put on this page because Paul got to write these words. He got to say, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. 
God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. After hearing where they had been, where they once were, hearing these words, the Ephesians had to have seen the great contrast and been so thankful for what God had done for them. They saw how just as Christ had been raised from his physical death to his new life, They were raised from their spiritual deadness and sin to a new life in Christ. And because of that, the Ephesians were seated in a seat of power, a seat of authority. They now had the power to proclaim the forgiveness of sins to all people. They had the power and the authority to to see new Christians come to their congregation and see them be, be raised to a new life in Christ right before their very. God truly displayed his riches to those Ephesians by loving them to a new life. At one time, you and I were in the same place that those Ephesians were. King David wrote, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And so at one point in our lives, we were dead in our sin. We weren't even able to lift a finger for God. God showed you great love. God showed you great love when he gave you the promise of your Savior in the garden to Adam and Eve all those years ago. And God showed you great love when he worked out every single event in the Old Testament so that the time would be right for your Savior to come into this world. And God showed you great love when God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son to you so that you would no longer be perishing, but you would have eternal life in Christ. God truly displayed his riches in you when he loved you to a new life. God displayed his riches in another way many years ago through a gift. There was a man fleeing an oppressive government. He was walking with his family, They had the same regimented schedule each and every day. They would get up, break camp, walk for miles, and then set their camp up again and go to sleep, do it all over again. They ate the same boring rations. They drank the same boring water. And they complained about it. They said, life for us here can't get any worse. But then it got a lot worse. Their fearless leader, the father, was bitten by a deadly snake. And as his snake bite swelled up and as the venom coursed through his veins, it was evident he was going to die. But another man walked through their camp, saw the father lying there, and took him by the hand and looked him in the eyes and he said, My friend, God has given you a gift. Look at the snake lifted on the pole and live. And that Israelite man raised his eyes past Moses' forehead and saw the bronze snake lifted on the pole in the desert, and God gave him a gift of healing. God displayed his riches through that gift to Israelite men and women like this all those years ago in the desert. In our lives, you and I can be controlled by an oppressive ruler. Think about the times in your life when you lie in bed at night You think about the events of the day, 
And you think about that lie you told, and you wish you had it. You think about the foul words that flew from your mouth, and you wish they had it. You think about the love you could have shown, and you wish you had. And you realize that these sins are taking a toll on your relationship with God. They're making it harder to pray. They're making it harder to read God's word and apply it to your life. You might think to yourself, maybe if I just do more good things, my relationship with God will be better. Maybe I've, I just love more people tomorrow, my relationship with God will be better. Or maybe if I'm just more diligent about my work week, then that relationship will be healed. When you start to do these things, then, then God has become, then, excuse, then the devil has become an oppressive ruler in your life. Because the devil's gotten you to believe the wrong idea about God's grace. It's gotten you to believe that somehow by your, your screwed up life, God's grace doesn't apply to you. And he's gotten you to believe that if, if you can somehow clean up your act, then God's grace will apply. But the Apostle Paul gives us the right idea about God's grace. He says, it's by grace you've been saved. And it's not by yourselves, it's the gift of God. Paul tells us that God's grace is infinite. It's a gift that he gives to you that you do nothing for. And it's a gift that saves. That saves you from your spiritual deadness to a new life. And it doesn't matter if you've sinned one way or one time in a specific way or a thousand times in that way, but God's grace is the same. And because of this, Paul writes that you are Christ's, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Because we have this gift of grace, we are now able to do those things for Christ. When you diligently go about your work week, or when you get up early in the morning and start cooking meals for your family, or when you share a kind word with others, God is displaying his riches through you to the world. God saw you when you were at your worst. When you were addicted to sin. And when the venom of sin was, was coursing through your veins and consumed you. And God saw you lying there and took your hand and looked you in the eyes and he said, My son, my daughter, I've given you a gift. Look at my son raised on the cross and know the gift of grace he holds out to you. Know the forgiveness of sins he has for you and live. Amen.